Sweet. So, uh, welcome, welcome, gentlemen. Um, why don't you just introduce yourselves, uh, just to kind of get kicked off? Right on. My name is uh, Adam Nagy. I'm one of the co-founders and owners of Chasing Sunrise. And my name is Julian Deshooter, also one of the co-founders of Chasing Sunrise. Awesome, awesome. So, for uh, for the audience that uh, doesn't know what uh, Chasing Sunrise is, uh, first off, you probably should. And not 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 even probably you definitely should know what Chasing Sunrise is. Um, so you'll wanna you wanna check it out. Just just first and foremost, like really quick, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, website. Where where can they find you? We'll we'll put it on the notes, but just so they know. Yeah, so the best place uh, either Instagram or the website. So the Instagram is Chasing Sunrise, and the website is Chasing Sunrise as well, but it's dot se. Awesome. Perfect. Um, so about Chasing Sunrise and about, uh, we'll, we'll get to Chasing Sunrise in a little bit and we'll, we'll kind of talk about it. Um, you know, normally what we do is we kind of go through the process of like talking about who you are and what's led you to the success that you're having right now or what's led you to the things that you're doing right now. So let's talk about you guys. Like, let's talk about you and uh, and kind of dive into that. So what's uh, what's your personal journey been? Like, Adam, why don't we just start with you? And what was little Adam like? What were you like as a kid? Where did you grow up? What did you do? Yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, in Edmonton and Fort McMurray in northern Alberta. Um I've always really been deeply involved into photography, so that was something I picked up at a really young age with my dad. Mm. Um, I moved to Calgary when I was about 12 years old, so I spent my junior high and high school years down there. I've always been a big Oilers fan, so you know, growing up in Southern Alberta as that was, yes. uh, was fun. <laughs> I, so am I, so am I. I'm an Alberta boy, so I, I get it. I get yeah, it. I'll bring that up because Connor's an Oilers fan, just to... Uh, yep. Just to make that clear to everybody listening. <laughs> I think I think I may have just lost some listeners. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I went to, to University in Lethbridge, and then shortly thereafter, decided to make the move uh, to Vancouver. Um, I've always kind of felt that BC was a better fit for who I am as a person, mm. uh, both politically and everything to do with the outdoors and and what I enjoy doing. So um, yeah, I mean that's kind of me in a nutshell, and. Hand it over to Julian. Yeah, so the story myself has always just been kind of one of constant adventure, some injuries, and <laughs> recovering from that injury and just repeating the cycle over and over again. And I can't imagine how many times I've come back to my parents' place as a kid, falling out of a tree or falling off a trampoline, um, narrowly escaping hospital visits, but then just kind of enjoying the fun of what got me into that so much that I've constantly found myself back in the situation where happens again and again. Um, but that's just kind of, as I've gotten older, moved from kind of smaller scale adventures to making it bigger and bigger. And then realizing that kind of at the age of 27, I want to spend my rest of my life just doing cool stuff with rad people. Mm, very cool. Awesome. So that uh, that's obviously led you down the path. Did you guys go to, to university here in BC or... Yeah, uh, I was a graduate of SFU, um, did finance and entrepreneurship. Um, okay. Finance, because it was the thing I thought I should do, and entrepreneurship, because it was the thing I loved. Awesome. Yeah, I was. Uh, I went to University of Lethbridge, um, sort of similar to Julian. I was actually studying to be a kinesiologist uh, and got accepted into physiotherapy school, but decided to go complete 180 and focus on marketing instead. Mm. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. And so the, the chasing sunrise idea first, maybe uh, give our listeners some context or insight into 
what Chasing Sunrise is, and then we'll kind of backtrack into like why it exists. Yeah, so Chasing Sunrise very simply is just a community of people that want to get more out of life, that want to do the things that when you're 80, 90, 100 and you look back on your life, you're like, damn, that was worth doing. No matter kind of what you had to put into it or the work that went into getting you there, it's those things that you remember. Um, And so we're essentially a community that started off with two or three of us. um, And now we've found our tribe of thousands of us. So it's been really, really humbling and cool to see that the crazy ventures and ideas that have come up in our heads actually relate to other people Mm. and resonate. Very cool. Yeah, I think, you know, we've we've kind of chatted about this before, like our communities are uh, definitely aligned in that way where we have a lot of like-minded people that are really interested in growth and development and kind of like living living life to the fullest, right? Not not believing that you should just sit by. What, what's your saying? I've seen you, you guys have a t-shirt on it. Yeah, it says uh, you were born to do more than just pay bills and die. Yes. Um, and it's it's kind of that blunt thing that hits you in the face a little bit, but you get to the end of that and you just you can't argue it that, um, and if you do, we probably don't want to hang out. Yeah. Um, but it's just that thing of, you really do have a limited time here. Um, and it's a very concrete thing of like, go use it mm-hmm. because when it's all said and done, it's gone. Yeah. So cool. And so in terms of like the actual, you know, community and the gathering and whatnot, what does that look like? Because obviously it involves sunrise, like walk us through, um, maybe walk us through like how it started. Yeah. So it started, uh, we're almost coming up on a year now um, of when it just first even seeped into our minds. Um, and room, my roommate Gordon and I, we did this thing called 21 Damn Early Days. And it was a challenge to get up every day at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. Um, and it was simply because you hear it over and over again of successful people get up early. Um, we constantly get to the end of the day and you're like, I wish I had more hours in it. Um, and our kind of thing was, well, let's just see, go for 21 days. And at the end of it, we hate it. We hate it. But at least you have that real life example of I did it, I don't like it, I can move on with it. Um, and we got about 10 days through it and just everything started to change as you just, you had this four hour window in the morning of there's no social media, there's no emails, there's no text messages. Um, and it really got to this point of you had to, you had the time to do whatever you wanted. Um, and it also felt like a little secret because you were getting up on your terms rather than the world coming and knocking on your door and saying, Hey, Julian, it's time to get up now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we finished that and it was just a really pivotal moment in both of our lives. And on the 22nd day, we decided to get up, go hike, see more and catch sunrise up top. Um, and so that was three of us. It was blisteringly cold. It was minus 24 with 90 kilometer hour winds with the wind chill. Um, but you're sitting up there watching the sunrise and it just kind of absolutely blew our minds that, here in our backyard in Vancouver was something that you would go travel around the world and chase for the rest of your life. And it's sitting kind of at your doorstep. And it's just something that we never really thought about. So we came back a week later, did it. There was four of us. We came back a few weeks later after that. And it went from four to 25 to 70 to 200. We're up to 450 is the largest we've done now. Um, And it seems like it just has no stopping. So yeah, cool. And so, and you guys did a big one for Canada Day, right? Like you guys had quite a few out on Canada Day. And I think I saw some like drone footage and stuff like that. It looks, it looks pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of one of our, I guess you consider our signature event so far that really people kind of know us for. Um, yeah. When you look at it, it's on paper, it makes no sense. You're like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to get people up at this absurd hour. So for Canada Day, we had a 2.30 in the morning meeting time up in Mount Seymour. 
Um, and you're totally just expecting no one to show up. Mm-hmm. And it was just this stream of cars coming up the road all the way up there. And you're just sitting there mind blown that 450 people were willing to get up at 2.30 in the morning, completely uproot their schedules and join us for this. Um, and it was just a really test, really good testament to the power that people actually want to engage in life. Yeah, and it was kind of built on the ideal that we'd get everyone up there and sing out Canada as the, the sun rises. So <laughs> when you're talking about the, that drone footage, is a pretty awesome. special moment yeah. seeing 450 people belt that out. Well, I think, you know, I think what's really unique about what you guys do and, and really, uh, you know, what's at sort of the core of your brand, the core of your message is that anything's possible. You know, I think, and, and maybe that's not one of the, the core pillars for you, but from an external standpoint, it definitely looks like anything's possible and, and why not try? I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, so many people get stuck in this place in their life where they're like, like you said, where life comes and knocks on their door to get them out of bed, to get them moving, to get them going. And I think that's sort of like a narrative for most people's lives where they're just like waiting for the opportunity. They're waiting for the person to come and walk through the door and have some sort of like Hollywood-esque moment where it's like, oh, and then the person walked through the door and I just fell in love with them and I knew and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know what? Most of the time it doesn't work like that. Like most of the time. I'd say more than most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. (laughs) You know, most of the time, like you need to get your ass up and you need to go and you need to be the one in control. Like you need to be the one, not in control, but the one making the effort towards actually accomplishing or achieving the things that you really want in life. And so I guess my next question would be, what are some of those sort of like key values that you really want to embed into the, you know, Chasing Sunrise community? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest one is living by design rather than default. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all of these mental habits in life and they're insanely powerful if used right, but they also get you into these ruts in life, these mental ruts where you just get into this routine of doing the same thing over and over again and not really thinking about, hey, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Mm. And when you ask people to get up at 2.30, 3.30 in the morning, for 99.9% of people, that's out of that mental rut. Mm. Um, And so really one of the major things that we want to focus on as a community is just making conscious choices in what you're doing so that the decisions you make lead to the end goal that you actually want Mm. rather than just this arbitrary path of making choices as you go through and for some people, it might work out, but for the vast majority, it might not. But no matter what it is, it's really about just making design choices that align with who you are and how you want to spend your time here. Nice. Nice. And I think that, that it's it's almost like one of those situations that makes, that like forces a choice, you know, because so many, so many people and so often people are just kind of like on autopilot going through and choices are being conceptually choices are being made for them, right? Where they're just kind of like walking through and, you know, next thing happens, next thing happens. Um, but the great thing about, Hey, do you want to get up at four o'clock in the morning and come join us and climbing a mountain to watch the sunrise? Like that for a lot of people is a very confronting choice. It's probably jarring for a lot of them. Like what are some of the responses from the people that, that join? Like what's their experience like, and maybe what's your experience been like? Yeah. I mean, I think most people, when they first kind of hear about the concept or hear about what we do, they, are you crazy for, yeah. for waking up that? <laughs> it's a term of seemingly outrageous. Yeah. Know, yeah. To use of just like when you first think about it, you're like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but the more you think about it and the more you get through it, you're like, that actually does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see people go through the experience. Um, and we've done about a dozen of them now and watching the transformation from people from the beginning of it, where for a lot of people, it's outside of their comfort zone. 
but they get to the end of this and they've done something that they don't think they can. And it actually kind of shatters the paradigms in their head of what they're capable of. Um, and so we've seen this really cool thing where people will come up with us once and then you see them on their own with their own group of friends the next weekend and the weekend after. Um, and so, for example, I was camping up there Tuesday night, um, this little fun camp trip that I did. Um, and I woke up at 6.45 in the morning to the voices of four other people that had decided on a Tuesday morning to hike up and catch sunrise up Mount Seymour. Cool. And so one of the people up there was someone that had been with us before that decided on their own to take a bunch of friends up. So. Very cool. Very, very cool. I, I dig it. And again, I think that that's where, you know, we, we definitely have a lot in common is like there's not a lot of communities out there doing what you're doing and really standing for what you are standing for. And, and I think that's very in line with what we have set out to do. Like there's not really a lot of, I mean, there's not really a lot of like man talks communities out there that are like doing what we're doing for, for guys and opening up the space and all that kind of stuff. So, well, and on, on that point, I think it's really cool because I'm a big believer that humans are inherently awesome. And if you give them the opportunities to be awesome, they'll prove you right. Yeah. Um, and so one of the biggest things, like we don't charge for events. Yeah. We'll try and sort out rides with carpooling and stuff like that. And we literally just want you there. So we put these people in this position of the only thing holding them back from coming is them. Yeah. Most people don't have plans at three or four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's removing barriers to prevent people from, for sure. from coming. For sure. So in, in terms of the community, you know, community versus a business, because this, you know, I think one of the interesting things that is very similar with, with both of our brands and, and with some of the other brands that we're starting to see pop up out in the world is that they're community-based brands, right? And at the same time, um, they're, they're still in some way a, a business. So how do you really like define community and business or do you see them as one of the same or is there a line in the sand between the two of them? And, and how do you build like a really authentic community and business simultaneously? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. And the internet's done this amazing job of lowering the costs of maintaining a community to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen this through things like Reddit, where there are thousands of these little subcultures and subcommunities on Reddit that absolutely thrive because someone can come in and manage them and it doesn't cost them anything. Yeah. And so we see this really cool opportunity for the blending of both online and offline communities. And they have to be supported in some way, but I don't think that we have to define and distinguish between a business and a community in the traditional sense that we've all kind of grown up knowing. Um, and our major focus now is how do you build this thriving and sustainable community? And on the back end, that has a way to be self-supporting. Um, and really, I think that what that comes down to is knowing what you're about, who you're about, who you want to go for, um, and then having your values and ideals that you just don't ever waver from at the expense of the community, right? Where, where you can run into trouble is... If you have this belief that you end up jeopardizing to grow the business side of it, then mm -hmm. you've just undercut the whole thing. Totally. Um, but if you go into it saying we're a community first, um, it makes it gives the chance of actually becoming a thriving community a lot bit stronger. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that you know brands like ours are really trying to almost like buck the trend and re redefine the way that the business works, right? And I think a lot of people, our generation especially, and the younger generation are really looking for that, right? And I think one of the great things that we're doing is there's a, there's some pretty negative connotations that, you know, last time that we got together, we we talked about the uh, Volkswagen incident, right? And what's happened with that. And there's some pretty negative connotations around quote unquote traditional business, yeah. right? And I think 
the way that we can kind of patch that, the way that we can kind of um, bridge that gap and sort of heal some of those, uh, you know, preconceived notions around what businesses are is by building something a little bit different. Right. And I think you said it last time where you said, you know, the, the way to, rip, the way to, to solve certain problems is actually to build something completely different that is better in every way, shape and form that, that replaces the existing uh, system that's sometimes broken. And I think really when we look at some of the businesses that are popping up right now, that's actually what's happening, right? It's like, okay, this system isn't working and we're going to try and build something really authentic and real and raw that challenges people, but at the same time kind of like replaces some of those old notions. Yeah. And if you look at the the evolution of humans is we are a very tribal species. That is what has allowed us to evolve at a much faster rate than any other species and essentially dominate our planet. Mm. Um, and there's this really cool opportunity with, what the internet has done and like Instagram is a really cool example of this is you're seeing all of these subcultures pop up on Instagram about the outdoors or about surfing. Um, and these are all just modern day communities. They just happen to live in a digital realm. Mm. But when you think about the internet, it's a very, very, it's in its infancy. Mm. And so looking at the next steps of that is how do you get all of these people with the same mindset and collective action to come back together in the real world? Because that's where we actually live. Yeah. Um, and when you start to think about the possibilities and opportunities of taking an online community to bring people together, but then doing things with them in the real world, that becomes insanely powerful. Yeah. Um, and that's really where we're focused is what that blend looks like and what you have to do to manage the community today and tomorrow while keeping it sustainable. Nice. So what's, um, what's your definition of success then? Like what does success look like? for you as an individual and what does success look like for you as a, as a community and business? Yeah. I mean, I think Julian and I talked about this earlier, but I think success for me is always being able to do business the right way. So what that means is I can look you straight in the eye, you know, I'm genuine, you mm -hmm. know, I'm forthright. And I think if we can translate that into our business, we'll be successful no matter what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I have a fundamental underlying philosophy of life. I just want to do rad shit with cool people. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of CS has come from is it's an opportunity for me to do a lot of the things that I love, but be able to bring people into the fold rather than just saying, Hey, look what I've done. Yeah. Um, that's never been something that has really brought me a lot of fulfillment is doing things by myself. So a lot of it is being able to do that in a sustainable way, but then also be able to bring other people in the fold and let them explore what they're doing um, that resonates with them and what they care to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I mean, both of your definitions are very in alignment with, with my sort of like definition or view of success, right. Is I have a philosophy is the same, same thing I have a saying, it's just like do things that leave me feeling good because when I'm doing the things that leave me feeling good, then inevitably it's leaving others feeling good as well, right? And genuinely, authentically, right? And like a, from a real space, not like you have that gut feeling of like, oh, I'm really fucking somebody over right now. <laughs> but well, like, it's, oh, it's, it's, a great. it's a fulfilling good rather yes. than it feels good in the short term. But when you actually stop and think about it, there's like this empty hole in the middle of it. Right? Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of the funny thing is that we, I think sometimes we overcomplicate success and what it really looks like to us. And we, we just, you know, boil it down to like those core, those sort of like core traits. It, it is quite simple. It's just like, what, what's going to leave me feeling good? What kind of like epic shit can I do with some really great people that, you know, leaves the world a better place that leaves them better people that, you know, has a positive impact on other people. And how can I do more of that? Yeah. So cool. Um, mentorship. 
mentorship? How, if, if at all, I mean, maybe, maybe it hasn't, but how has mentorship, um, you know, shaped you along, along your path, along your journey? Have you, have you had a specific mentor? Um, that's really, that's really kind of like guided you. Uh, I've never had a quote unquote formal mentor or somebody that I would have necessarily put in that role, but so my father was definitely the shining light into everything I just talked about. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the most genuine and forthright man I've ever met. So I think just through my entire history of growing up with my dad and all the conversations we've had throughout my life, he's definitely always kept me on the path of, you know, be humble and do good work and people will notice. Nice. Do you have like a, a favorite memory? With my dad? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, right on the, just right on the spot, eh? Yeah. He's like, oh, um, shit. Um, I, I, I think my favorite memories with my dad are just hiking in Calgary. And he kind of taught me everything I know about photography. So him letting that initial spark and us on our kind of long walks in the woods were definitely the, the stuff I hold most cherished to my cool. Very cool. And like, look, look where, you know, look where you are now and the, the things that you're doing with that is that's very cool. That's kind of like shaped things a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you never know where that spark's going to lead you and cool. kind of led me to Julian and here we are. So nice. And Julian, do you have uh do you have like a, a mentor that's kind of guided you along the way or, or a couple of them or? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've been, when it comes to learning, I'm very much a sponge. Like I read religiously um, a lot of biographies and stuff like that. And so it's, it, there's never been one key cornerstone person that pops to mind um, as much as there's been key moments in my life with certain people. Like, so when I was four years old, my dad was ripping apart the back deck to put in a new one. Um, and I just threw on my little overalls as a little four-year-old kid and went out there and helped all day long. Um, and I still remember this very vividly is at the end of the day, he reached down, pulled 10 bucks out of his pocket and gave it to me. Um, and when you're four years old, that's the most money that you can imagine. Um, but it was this very visceral feeling of like, if you just go out there and help people and do things, good things happen. Um, and I didn't go out there expecting to make money or get paid. Um, but even now, as I look back, it's created this kind of belief in me of just go out and help people and help and find ways to be able to introduce people to each other. And sometimes nothing comes of it. Um, but more often than not, good things do, and the good things that do overcome the times that it doesn't tenfold. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that, a lot of a lot of my philosophy has just been finding people that I believe have fulfilled my definition of success, um, and studying them and learning from them. And two people that actually have pulled a lot from are actually Jay Z and Richard Branson, which are two very opposite people. Yeah. Um, but for one of them, with Jay Z, he's rose from what should have been a story of not being successful to overcoming every bit of adversity. And then the other end, you have Richard Branson, who has built this phenomenally massive company, but has never lost his soul or having fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and he's been very unconventional in what he's done. And that in being unconventional, he's actually become more successful yeah. in it. Um, and so pulling from people like that and just understanding what they're doing and then taking the pieces that I like and trying to just build myself out of it um, has been the big thing rather than finding one formal mentor. Very cool. Yeah. I think somebody for me that's always like really stood out has, um, has been Elon Musk. I mean, he's just uh, not that I think I'm that smart um, (laughs) because like he's, he's a brilliant human being. Um, But he really, I think he, you know, with a lot of these um, guys and girls, you know, men and women that that create change in that way, they tend to buck the trend, 
right? And they, they tend to like go against the against the grain a little bit. And you know, Richard Branson has a great book called Screw Business as Usual. Yeah. And the the entire book is just about that. It's just like it's about how you need to do something different in order to have an actual have an actual impact, have like a real sustainable lasting impact. And I think that's so great. I think that's the great part about you know what what Chasing Sunrise is doing. That is, is kind of like it's doing something very very different. Where you know people are gonna go out and hike, but it's not like I mean I haven't heard of really anybody. It's like hey, let's get four hundred people together at four o'clock in the morning and, and go and go climb a mountain. So you know how does how does your community like take some of those lessons? Like what are some of the biggest core lessons that you think are really embedded in you know getting up at four thirty in the morning, going to climb a mountain, and overcoming those perceivable odds and then like how do they take those and sort of like put them into real life or or i guess what i want to ask is what are some of those core lessons first and foremost yeah i think one of the biggest ones is the best things in life are not just handed to you mm-hmm. um and that's a really interesting thing of there's a reason why we get up at four o'clock in the morning. There's a reason why we hike for an hour in the dark um and it's because it's not because that's the only way we can do it um, it's that the work that you put in there and the investment that goes in early on is actually what makes the end of it so good. Um, and that if you did that and pulled away all the work in the beginning, the end wouldn't actually be so fulfilling. Um, and that's a really interesting lesson that we can kind of take and show people in a real world experience in three or four hours. And they can take that. And when they go back to their life, they go, well, where do I want to go? Yeah. And it becomes so much easier to put the work in knowing that the work is actually one of the most valuable parts to getting the reward. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the shiny object of the reward that they actually want, but the process from where they are today to getting that reward. Um, And so being able to have that awareness and actually enjoy what are some of the seemingly hardest parts in the moment um, makes you appreciate it all the way through rather than just hoping to get to this end. Very cool. Yeah, I think that... I, I think the other impactful part, again, from an external standpoint is that, you know, you do that as a community, right? And there's sort of that camaraderie that comes along with it is that you're not only doing those things and having those realizations, but you're doing them with this great group of people um, that you can share those wins in and that you can you can share the um, relationship with, you know, and I or think... Or the agony. Yeah, or, yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. The, or the agony, right? right? I think, I mean, I think that that's from from what people have communicated about our events, like with, with Mantox, it's the very same thing of like just seeing and hearing somebody else that's gone through something similar, right? And, you know, whether it's with relationship or business or health, or like whatever the case may be is being able to to listen to somebody's journey and say like, yeah, you know what, I've gone through something very similar and maybe I haven't told many people about it and and now I feel relieved is that it's almost like going through that journey with them, right? Where we do it in an event in in a space and then you do it on the side of a mountain, <laughs> which is which is kind of neat. But it's like, okay, we're gonna go on this journey together. And and the the lessons that you kind of get in that along the way are are pretty incredible. Yeah, that's the really interesting thing is like we all identify as individuals. Um, but when you really start to break down and pull away the individual biases, a lot of us go through the same stuff on a daily basis. Um, and our society has built this world where you go, Hey, how are you? And you go, good. Right. And we never get past that and dive into, well, I'm good, but I'm dealing with this problem. Yeah. 
um, because that's a sign of vulnerability and weakness. Yeah. When the reality is, most of the time, that other person is likely going through that very similar yeah. problem <laughs> yeah. and either can shed insight on it or you can at least be going through it together, which makes it not nearly as bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's cool because, the, again, like, you know, the event is like you're, you're I mean, I call it an event, but the, the experience that you guys create really is a real life version of that. Right. It's like a real life version of getting people together and then saying, hey, like you're all going to go through this together. You're all going to be tired. You're all going to be climbing up the side of the mountain like this is all it's almost like creating a, a visual and visceral sense of unity, like forced unity, like yeah. you're going to get unity, whether you like it or not, you're going to get unity. And and I think, you know, that's I mean, that's something that we really that we really strive for as well is just to like create that unity and create that connection at the events is like, we're going to, we're going to ask challenging questions of you. And not only are you going to answer those questions at the event, but you're going to go and connect with somebody that you don't know and you have to go and tell them. And maybe it's something that you don't want to go, like you don't want to like get out and go and, and talk about that kind of shit, or you don't want to get up and go and climb up the side of a mountain. But once you're up there, it's the, like the most exhilarating and almost like euphoric sense. And the lessons that you learn from that, you can take into every, every avenue. All right, uh, Man Talks community. So we just wanted to take a minute to tell you about something that's really exciting. It's it's something that you know the entire team has been working on for quite a while, and it's something that the Man Talks community has actually been asking for. Uh, you know, we put on monthly events, and we get you know 150, 175 people out every month, and the community has really been asking for a full one day event. And for us to bring in some some great speakers and to, to host a big event, so that's what we've done. Um, we've we've pulled together some pretty incredible speakers, and we have an event coming up on November seventh at the Vancouver Convention Center. So just to give you a quick idea uh, of who's coming to speak, we have uh, Brian Scrone, who is the founder of uh, board meetings and he's going to be flying up from california to come and talk he's spoken at harvard and the pentagon which is pretty pretty incredible some top secret stuff probably happened there uh we've got philip mckernan which if you know of philip mckernan he's a very powerful speaker uh he's spoken on stage with the likes of you know richard branson and the dalai lama and some other crazy crazy people around the world um we've got daryl cocky the ceo of kitten ace uh, Daryl was fortunate enough to be the sixth employee at Lululemon and work his way up and is now founded uh, Chip Wilson's new company, which is absolutely incredible. Um, we also have Sachin Raha, who is the founder of Warrior Sage. We have uh, Jay Demerit, who is the ex-captain of the White Caps. And we have Brian Scudamore, who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So we have some absolutely, absolutely amazing speakers, and we've worked really, really hard to, to bring you a, just a kick-ass quality event. So we really hope that you'll check it out again. It's called the Man Talks Intensive, and that is going to be November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So for more details, just check out the uh, Man Talks website. And, uh, but, Connor, that, but Connor, yeah, you don't even need to go to the site right now and get tickets because we have a chance for you to win tickets to the event itself. Oh, you're right. Yeah. All right. you need to do is... Post something that you think represents a modern man on social media. Tag three friends that you think are kicking ass and hashtag it man it forward for a chance to win two tickets to the Mad Talks intensive event on November, on November 7th in Vancouver. Like Connor said, full details can be found at mantalks.com. 
All you need to do is post a picture, a quote, a video, just something that you think represents a modern man. Don't forget to tag three of your friends that you think are kicking ass, really, really showing what it means to be a modern man, and hashtag it, man it forward for your chance to win two tickets to the Manton Intensive event. Very cool. Awesome. I love it. Man, man it forward, my friends. Man it forward. <laughs> man it forward. Let's get back to somebody who's definitely manning forward. That's yeah. a really interesting thing is there's just something about a, the time of day being super early, it's mm-hmm. dark and you're walking beside someone that allows you to have these conversations that you'd never have in a typical social setting, sitting across from someone looking at them. Totally. Um, and I've been up there with complete strangers that I've never met until the second I walked beside them on the trail. And in three minutes, all of a sudden you're having these conversations about what they actually care about in life Mm. Um, and these deep things that just would never be talked about in a normal social setting. Um, And then you're walking by some other people and kind of listening to the conversation quickly and they're talking about the same types of things. Um, And so it's a really interesting space that just pulls away the facade of the social world that we have and gets to the stuff that I think deep down everyone actually cares about. Yeah. Yeah, And I really think it shows how thin barriers are to, to getting out there and, and doing the things you like. Yeah. Um, I had a girl that I worked with that, you know, we, we pretty much had to, to drag her along onto one of these events. And her story was she just didn't do any physical activity. So the thought of waking up at three o'clock in the morning and hiking <laughs> a mountain to her is basically like climbing Mount Everest yeah. at, at the time that we pitched it. But, you know, through and through when the rest of the team kind of decided that they were going to show up and drag her along and get her to the top of the mountain. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways it really has changed her life. She has realized how, like I said, how thin those barriers are between her wanting to do something and actually doing it. Mm. And since then she started working out and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Like, you, you know, you, you talk about barriers and I think so many times like we put these, we, we make these barriers look like, you know, insurmountable, yeah, obstacles. insurmountable, like a, like a six foot thick steel wall. When really, it's a paper thin thought. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like you know, just this thin piece of plastic that you can poke through, yeah. and and it's really just what you have made that barrier up to be in, in your mind. So yeah, very very cool. Well, that's a really cool thing about the community is it pulls it pulls from all directions like we have the youngest person that's come up is five the older person that come up is 89 Um, and it's not generally just one type of person and it's cool when you bring that many people from dispersed backgrounds together Mm. is some of the people there have done ultra marathons or Ironman and stuff like that and that's something that I haven't challenged myself but then you put yourself up beside them and you're like well I want to go a little bit more in your direction yeah Um, and you can see how other people challenge themselves in different areas and what they're capable of and it draws you to better yourself in so many different areas. Okay. Um, and it's just that a kind of expanding mind concept. Very cool. I, I'm actually curious now that we're like into this conversation, where does, um, like, where does, I can see, I can imagine that a lot of like self-judgment or like some, you know, sort of like the, the confrontation that must happen. Have you found that people end up sort of, confronting themselves and then overcoming some of that like self-deprecation or self-judgment that that probably comes up um on, on the hike have you had that because i mean i i can imagine that some of the people that are there are like oh man like 
that person's going way faster than me or that person's like climbing way faster. I can't keep up with them. And has that ever come up in conversation? I'm just curious. No, it's a really interesting thing is when you have like when you start to have larger groups, um, it just naturally disperses into the groups that there are. And like there are people that are at the front that do it in half the time of the people at the back. Cool. Um, but it's generally there's never anybody by themselves. And that's what you see is the really kind of powerful thing is that even if with if you're one person by yourself, you're weird. The second you're with someone, you're a community, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah. That, <laughs> it's that really interesting thing. And like if you have one person beside you and you're the very people at the very back, yeah. you're still together. Um, and all of a sudden it's a shared experience and it no longer sucks. Yeah. And ultimately, whether you get there half an hour before or you get there half an hour after, you're all sitting there watching the same sunrise at the same time. So Very cool. Very cool. So it's almost like an automatic overcoming of those things. Yeah. I dig it. Um, just to kind of like switch gears since this is the Man Talks podcast and uh, you guys are two, two epic dudes. Um, what is your favorite part about being a man? I know it's uh, that's a total that's a total gear shift. Besides being able to pee on road trips, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, was going to say right about him and pee, but yeah. <laughs> I can literally pee anywhere. Actually, on that note, where's the craziest place that you've taken a leak? Why not? Why don't we just do that? I, I can go first. I can go first. Okay, so um, this is when I lived in Edmonton, and it was minus thirty five out one night, and we were at a party, and I may have had uh, a few rum and cokes in me. And uh, we were on the 28th floor of an apartment building and I decided that I was going to piss off the balcony <laughs> and, it, and it totally it froze by the time that it hit the ground. Uh, I checked when I left, but that there you go. So I, I, I pissed off the 28th story of an apartment building in Edmonton. There we go. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know about a pee story, but I can definitely remember a time where uh, I was a little bit reckless with my mooning. And <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh my God, please tell that. So I just met Connor recently um, this summer <laughs> and uh, so I was on a boat in, in English Bay this summer and we were having a little bit of fun and decided we were all going to start uh, mooting some dinner cruises that uh, that came by and uh, sure enough, Connor was on one of those dinner cruises. Yeah, we hadn't, we hadn't met at this point, had we? No, we hadn't. No, we met. hadn't met yet. We hadn't met yet and then we met up like four days later Yeah, and... And then it was like this sudden realization, not because you didn't have pants on when we met, but because you were like, were you on that? And I was on, I was on a James Bond themed cruise and there's like eight people. All I look over and I see like eight people or 10 people like mooning this, this sort of like, you know, all these people on a, uh, on a yacht for like a big birthday party wearing you know, all wearing tuxes and there's, there's probably like a hundred of us on the one. And then there's 10, 10 or 12 people on the other one that are mooning the hundred people. And I look across and I know one of the guys and then he got really embarrassed. And then, yeah, that was, that was good stuff. And that's how small the world is. And that's, right? how, like that's, and, <laughs> and that's how small the world is. You, you moon somebody on the side of a boat. And you're and, sitting in an apartment doing podcasts. Yeah. Monthly. Yeah. And then, and then a month later you're doing a podcast with them. There the you go. The lesson here is uh, moon everyone. Yeah. The lesson here is show your ass more. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> good things yeah. Oh, man. All right, Julian, your turn. I think for me, it would have just been like, I've, I've always loved this thing of heights. Um, and it was just standing on the edge of like a thousand foot cliff. Um, and she's just sitting there and you're just like, this is the most open and free I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> um, like you peed off of it? Oh yeah. And, oh, like, yeah. Oh, and you're just sitting there and you're like, gone. So. Oh man, that is priceless. Naked in nature. <laughs> naked in nature. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, we can return to the, uh, 
I mean, that's a, that's a man conversation right there. Um, but we can return to the, what is, what is your favorite part about being a man? Genuinely? Yeah. I mean, uh, I wasn't someone that ever grew up with brothers, but I would say my favorite part of being a man is kind of the camaraderie that comes with brotherhood, um, in, in terms of all my friends. And I, I think it's sort of an inseparable bond that I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. That's <laughs> yeah, okay, man. It's, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to describe. Yeah. I think for me, um, it comes down to a leadership perspective. Mm. Um, and like there's, there's this part of society where men have just been leaders for such a long period of time. And we're in this really big flux period that's changing of what is the role between or that a man has in a leadership perspective and a woman has in a leadership perspective. Um, and being in a spot of leadership right now as a man, there's a ton of preconceived notions that I have in my head and there's a ton of stuff that's happening in society. And so just being a man in that period of time and having an opportunity to shape what that looks like through my own actions mm. um, and influence things um, from male perspective so that we can get to a place that everyone's in agreement that leadership is across the board um, for me right now, that's a really exciting place to kind of poke around and play. Very cool. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I think, um, yeah, I can't remember who said it, but basically it's, um, we all change the world, yeah. right? We all change the world. John and Bromley. yeah, yeah. John Bromley. Yeah. It was John Bromley at the, at the, at the event. He said, we all change the world and it's just whether you choose how you change it yeah. or you just go through life kind of ignorant to that. And I, I think that that's really in, in essence, a sense of leadership. And I think one of my favorite things is, is responsibility, you know, and accountability. I think when you talk about brotherhood, I think a, a big piece of that is being accountable and responsible to other people and being able to say, I've got your back and I'm going to help you. And no matter what the situation, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you and, and pass over you and, and, um, and leave you hanging. And I think that's one of the core pieces of brotherhood. And that's one of the best pieces of being a man is that you know that you can, you can go to that person for anything, right? You could go and tell them just like the worst shit that maybe has happened in your life. And, you know, they can turn around and, and support you through it. And I think sometimes a lot of men, um, not a lot of men, but some, sometimes I'm sure that there's men out there that listen to the podcast that feel like they don't have that. And, you know, that's part of the reason why, why this actually exists, why man talks exists is to help remind guys that brotherhood and, and sort of, you know, helping your fellow man, as they say, is a really integral part of, of being a guy. And then to your point on leadership, um, you know, again, I think it's that accountability, like, I, I don't know, I'm curious, do you guys, do you guys feel like you thrive off of accountability, like being responsible for something? Oh, totally. And I think. I think, I think for me, it's looking for those situations where you can be accountable. Mm. Um, I think it's one of those things that there are certain levels of expectations that a society puts on you, you put on yourself and your friends put on you. And it's about understanding what those are and then reacting to them in a way that at the end of the day, you look back and you go, that was the best I could have done with that. Mm. Um, it's, I think it's something that will actually help anybody grow faster than anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I thrive in that situation with friends or family or anybody um, being accountable to me is, you know, being terrified of letting somebody down mm. and yeah. whether that's the right way to look at it or not. I think that sort of anxious feeling you get from letting someone down is enough for me to steer well clear of that. Yeah. Very cool. Are you cool with talking about failure? Oh, I love it. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Um, I mean, failure, failure, I think on, on that note, on that topic, I think that a lot of, and this is, it's not just guys. Like I think a lot of people like really struggle with how to deal with failure. Um, but men, especially there's a, there's that certain like pride that we carry around that is like, I cannot fail. I will not fail. And then a lot of, a lot of guys get stuck when they are failing in letting the pride or the ego take over. They don't tell people that they're failing. They don't ask for support. Um, and it can lead to some, some pretty, some pretty dark places. So I'm curious if you're open to sharing like, you know, a, a time in which like you really, your, from your perception, you really failed. Um, and then what you learned from that, how you overcame it or moved through it. Yeah. For me, it was part of a conference when I was, I think 21 or 22 now. Um, and it was an entrepreneurship conference that it was going to end up, if I would have gotten through it, um, would have moved across the country, been in the kind of under a bunch of really good mentors. Um, and I knew deep down inside of me that I had exactly what it took to be phenomenally good in that program. Um, and they had a three day selection weekend and I flew out to Toronto, went through the selection weekend thought I left it on the table um, and they did a big kind of unveiling at the last day of it. And they took 36 people and I was like 37, 38. Um, and it just absolutely crushed me um, in that moment. Cause in my head, I was able to come through in that program when it delivered really well. Um, and it took, it took a little, little while to get over that. And I remember on like the six hour flight back from Toronto to Vancouver, um, which at the time was just hell. I wrote the whole way back of just what it did, what it felt like, what it did for me, um, and what I was going to do to make sure that that actually didn't end up stifling my entire career in entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, and I think that's really an interesting piece of so often out of failure, we can get discouraged and it can, it can lead us to not actually engage in what we love most because we failed. Um, and for me, that was a really interesting thing. Of, it was the first time I created a plan out of failure to make sure that I didn't just stop doing what I love doing. Mm. Um, and I still have that. And I still look back on it today. Every time I fail, if something goes wrong, I go back and I say, but that's the passion and energy that I had going into that in the first place. So don't lose that. Yeah. Um, I think it's really in the failures that you learn more about where your boundaries and edges are. Um, that takes self-awareness in it. But if you can kind of put yourself in positions of that, you learn more about yourself there than you do anytime you ever succeed. And that for me is a really interesting thing is that self-exploration phase yeah. from failure is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, um, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's really, really valuable for, you know, a lot of the listeners that are out there. And I, I think that sometimes when we have a failure in, in our career or in our business or our professional life, a lot of the times we, I say we as, as a generalization, but a lot of times people will just kind of glaze over it and be like, ah, I failed and that was horrible and I'll just move, I'll just move past it. I'll just get over it and I'll go and try it again. But I think that there's something really key in the fact that you spent the entire plane ride back actually reflecting on it. And there's so much power in just taking time to reflect on a situation and ask yourself what you learned from it. Ask yourself what you would do differently, you know, like really dig into it and it can be challenging. Well, but a really interesting point on that is like a lot of it for me was asking why I felt the emotions I felt. Yeah. Um, and like, why was I angry? I didn't get that. Um, and what I ended up coming to was because I cared. Right. And that still to this day sits with me as an understanding of why I care or why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's because I really care to build something. 
Um, and so on the inevitable shitty days that happen, I go back to those thoughts and use them when I don't want to keep going. Um, and so exploring, especially the emotional side of it for me, um, has been really powerful to keep the momentum going over the next kind of six to seven years from that. Cool. So you found that out of that, it almost gave you a deeper sense of your why for what you do, what you do. Totally. Cool. Very cool. What about yourself, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd echo a lot of Julian's thoughts in the way he handled it. Um, I, w- I would say one of my biggest failures was I, I applied for uh, my dream job once, yeah. um, which would have been doing marketing for the Oilers. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. This is okay. Oh, um, man. I'm interested now. You got his attention. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I caught us here. And, you know, I, I did quite well in the interviews, actually, and ended up getting down to about the final two or three people. And... You know, I I think I let up at that point and kind of in my mind thought I had it. And, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a hard lesson to learn. And like Julian said, those those sort of lessons or that feeling that you get when you're so amped up and think you have something in the bag um, to not having it, mm-hmm. it absolutely crushes you. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I dealt with it as well as Julian did probably. You know, I didn't sit there and... Uh, and write down my thoughts at the time. But I think one thing I've really learned from that entire experience is, you know, not, nothing's ever done until it's done. So yeah. um, keep pushing as hard as you can until you have whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and that's a, that's a valuable lesson in itself is that, you know, sometimes what is it like most people, most people, most people fail right before they cross the finish line. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and you see it in you actually, that's a perfect analogy because you see it in runners all the time where they're like nine and a half, like nine and a half uh, out of 10 done the actual race and they'll let up for a split second and the person behind them will pass them. Yeah. And it's, it's such a great visual analogy for what happens in business and, and even in our relationships sometimes where we like, we think that, we have something and we take it for granted and then all of a sudden it's not actually there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my, I think my, like my personal experience, I'll share really quickly, but it, mine was a little bit different where um, I didn't think that I had something in the bag and I felt like I had actually failed because of my, my own personal mindset about the situation. So I was auditioning for a master's degree at um, some of the most like prestigious music schools in the world, like the Royal Conservatory in London, the Royal Conservatory in Scotland, um, some of the, some of the universities down in the States. And, um, you know, I'd been told that I had a a great gift and all this other kind of stuff. And I'd been singing professionally and, um, I had some really good, solid wins under my belt. And, you know, I kind of went into the situation with almost like a self sabotaging mentality where I was like, I'm not worth this. I can't do this. I can't do like, I'm not, I'm not worth going to these schools. And then the, the funny thing was, is that obviously I didn't get into all of them, but I did get into one of the real conservatories, which was like mind blowing to me. Um, and it was just a really interesting experience because even when I got in, I, I felt like I didn't deserve it. And then for all the other schools that I got turned down from, it was like this, life ending thing, you know, it was like this really like hard, impactful thing where just like you, where you didn't, you know, you didn't, it didn't pan out. Um, it was a really hard, hard to swallow pill, but I kind of did a similar thing where I sat down after for almost for like a week, like just for like a, a couple minutes every single day and like wrote down like why, like how did my mindset get in the way? And like, why am like, why am I thinking those things? And like all that kind of stuff. And it was interesting. It gave me a very different perspective on, 
on how to deal with uh, how to deal with not only like the aftermath of failure, but some of the stuff leading up to it that could lead to the failure, like could lead to the potential failure itself. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like on that spot, most things in of themselves are objectively neutral, where yeah. if I didn't get or if I would have got into that weekend, it's neutral. If I didn't get in, it's neutral. Um, and what you begin to realize, especially when you start failing more and more frequently, is that the actual act of failing becomes less important. And what really becomes important is what you do with whatever that outcome is. And the same goes for success is mm -hmm. that everything that happens is simply is, and the actions you take after that are really what become really important. And when you focus on that, it takes the pain of failing in the moment and makes it significantly less. Mm -hmm. And you start to actually do things that will affect you in the future. Um, and it helps you distinguish between small battles and the bigger war. Um, that you're fighting in life um, and small little battle losses, little failures don't actually have nearly the impact they do when you take, or you think they do when you take a step back and you say, well, what's the bigger picture here? And is there another way to go? Um, and there's a really phenomenal book by Ryan holiday called the obstacle is the way um, I know you're a fan of stoicism and just yeah. built in that whole premise of a lot of the times going through those really difficult things are the character defining moments um, and it's this really interesting space of the more you do it, the more fun it comes to go through in failure because you start enjoying what you learn out of it and the tougher process because you know what's going to get you further and further in the long run. Yeah. Um, so failure, in my opinion, is almost a way to invest in yourself in the long run. Very cool. Um, what's the, you know, with, with the sort of like failures and successes, what is sort of the, the best piece of advice that you feel like you've ever been given? Whether it's business or personal or relationship-wise, like, what's the best piece of advice that that you feel like you've been given that you would want to pass on to the people that are listening? Yeah, the biggest one. It wasn't necessarily a piece of advice that was given to me as much as it was something I went through um, watching my mom have cancer, and that mm. all of this pressure that you put on yourself is simply noise. Um, that if you have friends, you have a roof over your head, and you're healthy, you're golden. Um, all of the pressure of wanting to build things, all of the stuff of the good job, the good career, wanting to be something um, bigger and better than you are. All of that is just noise and pressure that you put on yourself and understanding that at any point you can turn down the dial and be okay with having a day of just watching Netflix and doing nothing and not agonizing over not always progressing. Um, so having gone through that with my mom and being able to see how quickly life can go from being a hundred years long to being maybe ever over tomorrow, you realize what actually matters and what's really important. Mm. Um, and going through that has freed me to a being willing to fail because I know that at the end of the day, I still have my health. I'm still happy and I still have some damn good friends. Yeah. Um, and so understanding that has probably been the most valuable thing I've learned. Very cool. Yeah, I think for myself, uh, one of my friends once told me, I was, I think I was complaining about something. He said, you know, life is, just a product of your choices. And that's kind of the philosophy I live by. You know, I'm very conscious of the choices I make and ultimately one choice leads to the next. And here we are. Very cool. That's, that's solid. I like that. Life is a product of your choices. I feel like we'll have to, we'll have to have that as a quote on here somewhere. <laughs> what's, uh, what, what's the kind of like legacy that, I mean, we like to talk about legacy We're we're kind of getting towards the, the end to wrapping it up, but you know, we like to talk about legacy. We've had some pretty, um, 
some pretty epic men on the podcast so far and you definitely fall into that category so in terms of legacy like what what's the legacy that you want to leave in the world whether it's through cs uh, chasing sunrise or through yourself yeah for me it's really just if i could if i could leave anything here it's the belief the self-belief in other people that they are capable of just doing really cool things um it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day to life and forget about the individual that you are really quickly you become worried about work and about other people and all this type of stuff and what ends up happening is you stop really building yourself and what you're capable of um and the reality is, is that if you build really good character you'll end up affecting people and it becomes this chain reaction in an upwards moment and that's a huge thing that we love with CS is that if we can go get 10 people out there to come and shatter their self-limiting belief that they're not capable of doing that and then they go take four more people out each all of a sudden you've affected a super large number by only interacting with 10 people originally um so for me it's building things that will help people break those self-limiting beliefs um because i know that's the chain reaction that's going to go far beyond myself yeah and i think uh for myself it ties back into my definition of success if i can always be honest genuine and forthright in everything i do then ultimately that's the legacy i want people to remember me by and to remember our company by yeah very cool um i think mine mine is definitely in alignment with that is is helping other people tap into um their gifts their gifts and their strengths and i i think that's very much in alignment with believing in themselves but also that that definitely starts with you that well it definitely starts with you as an individual as you know you need to be a shining example so that's something that i I definitely try and live not try stuff is something that I live every single day is how can I show up in this situation and fundamentally do what I need to do in order to move through the obstacles to believe in myself so that I can accomplish these things so that I can support others in believing in themselves. Yeah. Well it's really interesting like especially as a man is we're afraid to say the words I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and like you go I remember graduating from university and I consciously cho- made a choice not to take a job. um because i felt like i really wanted to be an entrepreneur and build stuff um and it was absolutely terrifying to go to people and they're like hey like what are you doing with your life and you're like i don't really know yeah um but just simply doing that and leaving that place to explore and try and test things out and i've done jobs that i never thought i would ever do just to simply see if i liked it or not most of them i didn't um but now i know that and over time it's about carving out what you actually love and it's in the last 7 years led me to this place that i think in a lens that goes and benefits that perfectly and it's just a natural extension of who i am rather than this thing that i go and do every day mm. um and with chasing sunrise it's will never be a job per se it's just simply an extension of a life that i want to live regardless yeah. um and I am the biggest believer that if we can get people down that road and just get them to explore to figure that out, people will find the energy inside themselves to drive themselves for the rest of their lives and all do phenomenally powerful things. Very cool. Awesome. So in the, you know, kind of moving forward just to wrap it up, what what's something that you are really excited about on on the horizon? Uh no pun intended, but pun intended for chasing sunrise. <laughs> you know what? That's actually the first time anyone has ever said that. That's, yes. Uh, I like that pun. That's Um so for us it's, it's Oh wait, hold on. I have a I have a t-shirt for you. Yeah. I have a slogan. What's on your horizon? 
Oh. Dig it. Dig it. There you Love go. It. We're going to go build that tomorrow. There you go. You yeah. <laughs> limited edition number limited. one. It's yeah. to you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. So. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. So for us, it's just doing more events, reaching people in different ways. Like we started as on the mountains just by basis of being in Vancouver. Um, mm-hmm. But it's amazing because we've had people reach out from countries all over the world now being like, hey, we want to do this where we are. Um, and it's really a mentality that transcends borders. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to just go out there and put what CS is about everywhere haphazardly. And so what it yeah. really is, is figuring out how we can build a community online and offline in a way that becomes sustainable, but never loses why it was actually there. Um, so it's taking the events that we've done and the essence of them and applying that to other different outlets to reach more people and do so in a way that more and more people can get involved that want to. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we're trying to do as well. Is like we've had people reach out from different countries. And I think it ties back into what you're talking about is, is finding leaders in different communities who want to work with you. And um, I mean, we've had, it's very similar. We have people reach out from like Australia and the States and Europe and the UK who are like, Mantox needs to come here. It's like, okay. <laughs> you realize how similar humans are all around totally, the world, yeah. right? And totally. you're like, we think we're these different nationalities and yeah. all that. And there's, there's beauty in the culture, but at this end of the day, we're all very, very similar in yeah. most of and what we, want, we do and think. We want similar things. That's, that's kind of the funny part. So I guess it's like what you're exploring right now is, is finding, finding leaders or just finding a way to, to make that happen. So in terms of that, if people want to get in touch with you, whether it's for, you know, helping, collaborating, um, how can they get in touch with you? Just through the website or what's... Yeah, so the email? website um, is one of the best ways. There's a form there. Um, and there's actually a little join the, tr- or join the community tab that they can click on that has all the information to get in touch with us. Facebook is another phenomenally good way. Cool. Um, and it's just chasingsunrise.com? No, so it's chasing sunrise. And so it's C-H-A-S-I-N-G. S-U-N-R-I dot S-E. Perfect. I just wanted to clarify that for, for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, and then on Facebook, they can just search Chasing Sunrise. Yeah. Very, Absolutely. very cool. Yeah. Same with Instagram. And we actually do have a collaborations email set up. So if you are interested in collaborating, we've got collab at Chasing Sunrise. Perfect. Amazing. Well, that's all I have uh, for tonight. So, gents, thanks very much for being on the, the Man Talks podcast. We love it's it. It's incredible how it. fast an hour can rip through. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fantastic. So, um, yeah, listeners, uh, make sure that you tune in next week for another inspiring podcast with inspiring men having great conversations. For more podcasts, more blogs, uh, and videos from our events, you can check out mantalks.com. And don't forget to check out the One Day Man Talks Intensive that we have coming up on November 7th. We have the ex-captain of the Whitecaps, Jay Demerit, coming to speak. The CEO of Kitten Ace coming to speak, Dale Kopke. And the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Mr. Brian Scudamore, along with some other people like Philip McKernan, Brian Scrone, and Sachin Raha. We have an incredible lineup uh, lined up. And we'll be here in Vancouver at the Vancouver Convention Center November 7th. For more details on that, check out mantalks.com.